Hello everyone, welcome to tonight's Big Monday show. My name is Charles Simon, I'm the host of the Going in Circles podcasts. My co-host, Barry Spears, will be with us after the first break. Tonight we are taping live from Pompano. Of course it's not live when you're listening to it, but it was live when we did it. Of course, I guess it's live when we do it, no matter when we do it. But uh, we are at Pompano and... uh, And we're trying this out uh, today. Uh, the reception is spotty because I have Verizon. Verizon sucks. And I don't know what's happened, but I think all the 5G conspiracy theories might be right. Anyways, uh, we got a lot to talk about. Not that much, but enough. That's Gabe Pruitt in the background, by the way. So uh, we'll be back right after these quick messages from Pleasant Acre Farms. Pleasant Acre Farms, located just outside Ocala, Florida, is a full-service commercial breeding operation that has one of the top stallion rosters in the Sunshine State. Standing 10 horses, including sons of top sires such as Curlin, Harlan's Holiday, Unbridled Song, Scat Daddy, Canthros, and twirling candy, you'll be sure to find a great match for your mare at Pleasant Acres. Owned and operated by consummate professionals, Joe and Helen Barbazon, they provide clients with world-class services in all facets of the thoroughbred industry. Their commitment to quality is what allows Pleasant Acre Farms to pursue their passion for breeding champions. Check out their website at pleasantacresstallions.com or call 352-528-2885. Pleasant Acre Farms. Hey, hey. Hello, Sniper. That is me. Well, we are recording live from the pump. We're in section 106. There's two people here in section 106. There's me, and then there's a guy, I think he's either sleeping or he's dead. Ooh, he, hasn't, he hasn't moved in a while, but he's not making any noise. Therefore, 106 was the section that we chose. Did you so with a program? Like, did you just to make sure? Uh, he seems to be breathing. So, All right. I, th- I think he just sat out the amateur race last race. So, I don't blame him. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, if you hear uh, Gabe Pruitt's voice in the background, you're not having a uh, strange harness racing dream. And occasionally, the water truck might go by and. Well, you know, because when I dream about harness racing, it's always Gabe that's making the call. So, just throwing that out there. Gabe calling Aki Swanstead going 13 wide in the Breeders' Crown. <laughs> <laughs> the Aki versus Roy speed duel. Aki. It was kind of funny a couple, six weeks ago, Jimmy Tactor kind of Threw some shade at Aki. We had uh, some Swedish uh, Swedish shade being thrown on Twitter. But uh, <laughs> anyways, nobody cares about that. Um, so it's uh, it's the week before Christmas. And everyone in the NFL and the NBA has COVID. <laughs> That's uh, just the... Apparently no one in racing does. <laughs> we, 
we've got no absences, no missing people, nobody testing positive. We're just uh, just, just out there. We're just yeah, we're just going strong. Um, you know, whatever it is, what it is, it is what it is. But uh, Santa Anita has drawn its card for uh, what day is it? Sunday, right? The twenty sixth. Twenty sixth. <laughs> The traditional day after Christmas opening, uh, headed by the Malibu, which which looks like a a race uh, between Doctor Shivel and Flightline, kind of uh, testing Flightline for for class. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's a good race. It's a, it's an excellent race. Doctor Shivel's obviously a really good horse. His, his late seasons. Really strong. Just, I mean, I don't know. You could run any better and not win a Breeders' Cup race than he ran. But uh, yeah, that that was brutal. Anybody who bet that horse on Breeders' Cup day, man, I feel for you because that that was hurtful. Yeah, that that was a tough beat. But uh, it's it's a good card. It looks like uh, decent decent races. You know, pretty competitive. There's one um, thing about uh, those Santa Anita cards. Their opening day, like opening weekend type cards, are always very good. Yeah, right. They're usually very, like right on the money. Right, and then, and then the next, of, yeah. then yeah, it drops off. But after that, like you know, when 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 you pull uh, like taffy and and you pull it far apart, it just thins out. That's what happens. <laughs> yeah. Yep. This is true. I mean, they're on an island a little bit out there. They don't have the horse population that they used to. And it's uh, it's going to be a continual issue over the next however many years until horse racing, you know, fades away. Because it's kind of like a, a problem, a core problem, right? The basic fact, you need horses to conduct horse racing. Yeah. It doesn't get any basic, any more basic than that. It's like if you don't have, you can't run races. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's the it's the coriest of core issues. No horses, no races. But it's a problem. It's going to be everywhere, and uh, we've talked about it before. And I don't really feel like talking about it again. But uh, but it is a, an interesting card. And this week is is very very light. New York's not racing. Uh, Gulfstream's got a couple, couple days of racing this week, and uh, Maryland's back. They, they seem to have, uh, at least for now, got their track fixed back up. So true. They even had me, you know, part of right. the festivities. That's right. You know, it's <laughs> it's uh, when when Barry unbans. Barry's not a banner. I'm a banner. I ban tracks like Hoosier is still banned. I'm not betting Hoosier. And Tapita is just dangerously close to being banned. What? See Listen, when when when, when you got when you got Bar Shoe saying, Oh, look how great the race was. The horse was four yeah, wide got, the whole race and, and he won. So I'm <laughs> thinking to myself, Oh, okay, so that's how we're supposed to figure out like the races because that's the main problem I have with Tapita is that there doesn't seem to be a way to at least I haven't found a way to um, kind of break the race down beforehand to thinking, okay, this is how the race should be run. What potentially might happen that might upset that apple cart? What might change? Is this horse, um, 
you know, there's two main speeds. Is one really faster than the other? They just don't see it. Uh, is the race going to set up for closers? Like on Tapita, like none of that seems to matter. It's just so freaking random. And horses win. Like the other day, the horse won the first race at 50 to 1. He had run on the Tapita once before and ran dreadfully bad. Horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like in the same class or a lower class. And then he comes back and, and, and yeah, that happens on every every surface, but it happens on Tapita a lot more. That's true. And that's, to me, it's just difficult for me to handicap because I'm more of a, a pace style. Um, that, that's how I start out. I mean, most races, I'll look at the race. I'll, I'll, I'll just glance over the field and I'll say, all right, who is the speed of the speed here? Who's going to be setting the pace? What kind of pace are we going to have? And then try to, like, figure the race out from there because – I mean, when you break out of the gate, who's the first call the horse is called? The speed horses, right? Those are the ones that are dictating the terms of the race. And maybe that's because of, of you know, some of my harness background. Um, but you know, then you try to figure out the trips from there. And I just have a really hard time on Tapita figuring out what the hell is going to go on. And, well, it doesn't seem like you're alone in that, meaning that it seems like uh, the riders are having a hard time with it also because I, I see all kinds of different kinds of rides from the same jockey with horses that kind of look similar on paper. Yeah. So, what I've, what, what I, the feedback I've gotten for some of the jockeys is that it changes and it plays one way. And then depending on the moisture and the track, if it, if it had rained, if, if the wind was blowing, it, it's it plays differently it's like the inside was dead for a couple a couple days and then you know guys were you couldn't go wide enough right and, I, I remember because they they were they were just making these late closing moves about six seven eight wide yeah. <laughs> and winning yeah but you know what it's here and it's just part of the deal but i mean see i'm okay with that because it creates chaos and, and that's that's what i like it does, and, and I get it. And that's that's your handicapping style, which is you know you do really well. For me, it's just it's just hard because you're betting horizontal bets, and I'm thinking like, oh, I got to throw this one, and I got to throw that one, and I got to. So I'm throwing in horses that I would probably never ever use. And maybe you know what, you're right in that. Yeah, you can get a long shot home, but it just it, I wind up spending too much money on races because I just have no real feel for them and. Um, you know, it is what it is, but uh, we'll just deal with it. And I mean, there's it's not like there's a dearth of races. I was gonna say, what bet. Is kind of, you know, I, I just I, I just don't think that I just wish horse racing could be a little bit more um, frank about what's going on and not have everything always have to be. Um, framed in a certain fashion, right? Like when tracks cry that, that the trainers are tweeting out they're off the turf. Like why would you complain about that? They're actually doing your job for you. You know, it's, it's because it's, it's not like anybody's you know, it's not like it's it's some some sort of mystery. You know, like people are gonna find out eventually, especially before the first race. So the sooner the better in my eyes. That's what I, it doesn't make any sense, right? It just doesn't make any sense. And it's, it's almost like 
and no one will, no one will admit this at least in public but there's tracks that we'll call a track that's got a ton of moisture in it fast because they think people bet more money on fast race tracks and it's not the fast race track it's that fast race tracks generally have bigger fields you know because when there's you know moisture in the, in, in on the track or the track is sloppy you get more scratches and if it's an off the turf race same thing so like it's just poor logic to start with and being transparent it just seems like sometimes it just seems like they think everybody's stupid and maybe to an extent we are right. I mean, we all keep coming back though. Again, another topic we just don't feel like getting into, but you know, the handle, yeah. I'm skeptical about handle figures. So, well, you gotta be because we, we've proven that we, misleading <laughs> 98% of the time. So you got to be skeptical. But I mean, I guess you're right in a sense that the, the powers that be may think that, that horse betters aren't the sharpest because they do keep coming back and they do, you know, play every race, some of them and, and stuff like that. And horse players in general kind of aren't that selective. If you really want to look at it, you know, um, you know, and, and, and I guess it, it's to their advantage that they keep the public in the dark for these kind of things. So somebody somewhere must recognize that kind of thing. And was like, well, we just we don't really have to tell them everything. Right. I think we lost the sniper. Have we lost this one? Nope. I'm here. Oh, you're still there? Okay. All right. So we have uh, Rick Plano night. Old timer's not here to comp. We could just want another one. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not giving them any excuses, but. But I mean, it, it, the mentality's there, like you were saying. You know, like they do. They they have to think that that horse players are not sharp, <laughs> or a majority of them, just by you know the way the betting trends and things like that. So they they must have kind of somebody somewhere must have clued them in and said, "Hey, if we keep them in the dark, it really won't matter because they're gonna still fire away." Yeah, and of course, that's all short-term thinking because eventually right. they're not. Exactly. People are going to smarten up eventually. Yeah, I think one of the silliest things is thinking that like sports wagering is going to help horse racing. Just it, it just seems it just seems like the odds are that horse players are going to migrate to sports, not vice versa. So, and and again, if you, if you treat them poorly, <laughs> then. They're probably not going to stay, even if they do take a shot at, at, at racing. And racing's a great game to bet on, but the product on the track, in general, is it, slipped significantly, and it's an issue. It just doesn't get dealt with, and it doesn't get talked about. I don't, I don't remember hearing anybody in any panels out at the University of Arizona Symposium saying, hey, guess what? Our product really isn't that great, and we need to make it better. But, you know, you'll, you'll hear some of the the technical aspects of that. Okay, field size has to be better. Okay, 
it's true. Um, but you know, what else? What else are we, we talking about? In the end, it's about quality. If you have 12 horses in a race, but you have a one to nine shot every race, and eventually, and, and the one to nine shots keep winning. Oh, then that, that hurts my feelings. It's it's not. You'd be far so much better off with a competitive 12 horse race or a competitive 10 horse race or a competitive six horse race. You know, that's the thing is, is the competition. Uh, yes, the math matters. And the more uh, entrance you get to a certain, you know, it's like 12. Let's like over 12. The law of diminishing returns starts to kick in, I believe. But, um, you know, just, just get the 10. Just get the 9 or 10, right? I mean, how many, how many racetracks do we see cards full of six and seven horse races? That's before <laughs> scratches. Dude, there was, there was a bunch of cards at Saratoga this year like that. Yeah, yeah, Saratoga had quite a few cards uh, that, you know, that had a lot of short fields and, and like short fields and like 25 claimers and, and, and other than allowance races, not not races that you would think um, necessarily when you think about short fields. I mean, if you're talking about like a four other than uh, allowance race sprinting on the dirt, yeah, it's not going to be easy to fill. If you do fill, you'll be lucky you get five, you get six, it's like a... Bone miracle, yeah. <laughs> but he just uh, when when we run sixty two five races and they have six, that's not a good thing. That's a bad thing because uh, that was the thing about the cheaper races is usually you get you know bigger fields because you know horses on the back. The backside is basically like a, a pyramid. At the top is is a is a very small fraction of, of you know stake type horses, graded stake horses, then regular stake horses, then allowance horses, then you know, claiming horses and then maidens. With of course sub sub uh, sets in, in all those. Um, but still it's it's uh, you know I just don't hear people talking I don't hear any leadership. I don't hear anybody talking the, the talk that should be talked. And it's it's really um, to me it's it's kind of a depressing sign that, that no one gets it and the people who run these tracks don't get it. Um, and uh, you know Churchill, I mean, listen, we're not telling anybody shit that they don't already know, right? I'm sitting at a track. Well, I'm sitting right now, currently at a track where the guy in charge has done everything right, like absolutely everything right. He doesn't have good purses. He doesn't have good drivers for the most part. He doesn't have a stake schedule of, of any note. He doesn't have, um, you know, huge crowds or, or like he just doesn't have anything. But what he did was he, he identified what the people wanted to bet on, how they wanted to bet the races. And he didn't um, cannibalize his own bets. He, he set the schedule up and he tweaked it here and there. And I, I mean, they used to run here on um, on Fridays and Saturdays, and, and uh, they they canceled, they they changed the, the, those cards because the two biggest signals in harness racing are Friday and Saturday night. And he you know said to himself, "Hey, I don't want to go head and head against them. I can't beat them. So I want to be the big dog on on Sunday nights and Monday nights and Tuesday nights." And he did it. And you you know you you just uh, I mean, Gabe Pruitt did a amazing job here and like you're talking about in seven years they, they went from days where they did less than a hundred thousand total total 
on a card to last year doing uh, over a million 18 times. I think 1.7, 1.8 million on a card. You know, we're giving out six sixty-eight $6,800 purses. You know, we're giving out 1982 style purses. <laughs> and, 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 you know, like what's the percentage of handle, you know, how, how much is, is going from a hundred thousand to 1.6 million. That's, that's a lot. And still it's not enough. They want to close the track because they don't care. The people that own the, the, the track don't care. They, they don't care one iota and they can sell this land for, and develop it for a tremendous amount of money. So that's what they're going to do. Um, and that's what's going to happen to to other tracks, too. We've seen it happen at Calder. We've seen it happening at Arlington. We've seen Bay it happening Meadow. in Bay Meadows in Boston. Um, we're going to keep seeing it happen. It's gonna. It's not going to stop. It's not. It just isn't. And I don't want to be the purveyor of doom, but I don't see how you can you know, look at this realistically and think that um, 90% of our tracks aren't at risk. You know, if you're owned by Churchill Downs and you're not named Churchill Downs, you're at risk. Um, you know, the Stronic yep. Group, I, I don't know. I do not have any real faith that uh, a decade from now, they'll be operating racetracks. I don't know if they'll sell them as racetracks. It's hard to believe they could because the, you know, the land it sits on is just worth too much. How much money can you make as a racetrack? It's frustrating and it's, it's depressing. And you know, it's, I don't want to be Mr. Well, yeah, Mr. It, depressing here on Christmas it, week, but it uh, sucks because they could have got out in front of this. You know, there was an opportunity there for, for this not to be where we are now. Ample time, you know. I mean, the, the writing was on a wall a long time ago. And they just sat on their hands and was like, all right, well, we'll be okay. You know, we'll just keep doing what we always done. And that's, that's what's going to ruin it for everything, everything. You know, I think that, that, and maybe, maybe this is a little naive, but I, I would like racing executives and people who own racetracks. I would like them to look at, at, at racing like Nick Saban looks at football where being 11 and 1 or 12 and 1, that's not enough. You have to win the national championship every single year. And he, 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 he wins it and he spends about a half hour celebrating and then he's out recruiting for the next year. Racing sits on his laurels. Racing is very content with the, the, the Sun Bowl. Hey, we were, we, we were 7 and 5, you know, a couple tight ones could have gone either way. But hey, you know, we beat our rival. That's racing. That's racing. We need to, 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 to maximize. Our handle is, if you're a racing executive, you've done it in the last 20 years, you've wildly underperformed. Sports wagering is showing you how much money was out there. And yes, we can't get all that money. We could, if you got 5% of that money, 5%. We'd be in, in much, much, much better shape, but it's a, it's been a failure, and and a lot of it is that you know, people don't understand the people who are their customers, and I think a perfect example of how racetracks have got their head up their ass <laughs> is that 
we have a declining population of horses, which means we actually have a declining population of owners. And they haven't done a single thing to change that. Well, that's the thing is I see people and hear people and they're like, oh, well, so-and-so did a great job, you know, running the track and doing this and that. And I was like, well, really? How, how can that be? The bar barrier is set so low. Basically, if you don't, like, go under, you know, you're, you're patted on the back. And I'm not saying that we should, like, shoot everybody. But, no. but, but like you said, the, the bar should be higher. You, we, we need to shoot for the moon. Far higher. Right. Far higher. Far high. Yeah. I mean, if if the if the the Kentucky Derby handle can can double or triple over the last twenty years, then then why can't other races right. be, be be up? You know, what what why why are we down adjusted for inflation everywhere else? I mean, this year we're making a big deal. Ooh, we're over twelve billion. They've had twelve billion on sports in New Jersey, man. <laughs> Just New Jersey. New Jersey's not that big of a state. And, yeah, there's money coming over the border from New York and, and uh, Pennsylvania, sure. But come on. It's still. It's, it's. I don't know how we got on this topic, but. Uh... Anyway, it's Christmas week. We had a, a Gabe nice... does a good job. That's why. That's how we did it. Because it's Gabe's... Gabe. Gabe does a good job. Look, look what he had to contend with last night. The first race that forgot to turn the wagering off. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> you're only, hey, buddy, you're only supposed to let the whales wager after the bell. <laughs> Not everybody. Not everybody. Dude. Yeah. Gate. Hello. Gate. Left the gate open. Pomp is a magical place. It is. Things happen here that don't happen anywhere else. I mean, honestly, like, you never know. We might be 30 seconds away from having the lights go out or, the- or having a horse just do eight laps. Yeah, the horse refused to leave the track, or the tractor drives in the in the pond. Or things happen here that just don't happen other places. Um, but we had a nice party tonight. Uh, we had the Palm Meadows Christmas party, and I want to thank everyone that donated to the No Empty Stockings Project. Um, had a ton of toys. Put some pictures up on Twitter. I'll probably put some up on Facebook later. But uh, the kids were, as usual, thrilled as, as they could be. Uh, one kid was a little greedy and tried to take about 17 presents. But, um, you know, other than that, you know, we had to, we had to regulate him. But uh, <laughs> it was a really good time. And, uh, you know, the, their parents appreciate it greatly. Um, and, you know, the dude, I'm not the world's biggest kid guy. So it is nice to see it. Yeah, always. It's always it's always good to see little kids happy, you know. And, and we got a lot of people send money and, and I mean uh I really I really appreciate everybody's uh, generosity. Uh, some people sent um stuffed animals, some people sent toys, we got gift cards, we've had all kinds of stuff. And uh it was it was really it was really nice that the people have chipped in and i mean we had uh i had a guy who was you know, kid said he was in college and he sent i think 10 or 15 bucks and i was like dude that's you know that means more than than uh and someone else who's sending us 50 bucks or 100 bucks that that's nothing to them right i mean 
15 bucks in college. Uh, that, that would keep me going for a week. You know? You know how many burgers you could buy? <laughs> we had this place in Arizona, right? King, The King Buffet was on Speedway. <laughs> it was about, I don't know, maybe two miles uh, east of, of campus. And it, it was a pretty good buffet. And uh, my friend was like, you know, we should bring some leftovers home. And I'm like, dude, you can't bring leftovers. It's not one of those type of places. He's like, well, here's what we do. <laughs> we'll go and buy, buy plastic bags, right? We'll put them in our book bags, our backpacks, and then we'll just go up and get a bunch of food and then eat some and then slide some into plastic bags and put it in, in the in the, in the bags and take off. So, so we did this like three or four separate times. Oh, and uh, and then we got caught. <laughs> yeah, the fifth time, dang it! Yeah, we got banned. We're greedy. <laughs> we were we were banned. We were banned from the the King's buffet. They had our our, our faces on uh, by the register. Do not let these criminals in. They're stealing the fried chicken. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> me and the mayor, me and the mayor got. We got banned from the Pizza Hut at Saratoga a couple times. Yeah, the mayor's told me that story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a wild man. Uh, he started a melee one day in, on Broadway in Saratoga. In the, in the McDonald's parking lot. If you're familiar with Saratoga, there's like a parking lot with McDonald's, uh, Pizza Hut, and... Um, Dunkin' Donuts, and it used to not have any fences or anything. It was just one giant parking lot, so it was like the Saturday night uh, teenage punks <laughs> hangout there. We were there one night, and things led to things, and the mayor punched somebody, and then it was just like, it was like the, the malice at the palace, except we were in a parking lot. The cops came, and we all scattered. Tell you what, though, that was the good old days of Saratoga. If anything goes down, you definitely want the mayor and your team. Yeah, yeah. Well, it didn't hurt. Hell, or, excuse me. It didn't hurt that uh, a classmate of ours wound up being the chief of police in Saratoga. So, hey. the mayor, the mayor's lived. He's lived a charm life here for the last twenty years. <laughs> but the but the chief just just uh, I guess he was assistant chief. He he just retired. So. The mayor's too old. He's too old to start trouble, anyways. Are you sure? I'm sleeping by nine o'clock. Except when he comes. <laughs> except when he comes to Florida and he sells my clothing and drinks Fireball all day. Oh yeah. But the Pegasus uh, had an announcement today. Yes. I sometimes have to. <laughs> I have to just wonder, like. What are they thinking of? <laughs> Dude. They're, they're having a burlesque show of some sort on the third floor during the races. Yeah, and there's gonna be there's, there's gonna be acrobats. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna partake. Um, yeah, you know, and I'm usually game for a lot of things. I'm like, oh yeah, let's go see what it's like. No, not that. You know, if they <laughs> if 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 the jockeys were were the acrobats, if they had like. You know, like like Paco, like doing double flips off of a. I don't even know what they they do them off of. It's a it's a room. Of, I don't know. 
just seems bizarre. I don't know why. Seems? It is. I just don't, you know, get it. It doesn't make any sense to me, but I guess, I guess they would probably say, you know what, you want to buy your own track and do whatever you want. As long as, as long as my man is there this year that fell into the chair. Yeah. We're yeah. We can get another viral video, let it pop off. Yeah, we can. You can TikTok him. Oh man, I think I might be become a TikTok dancer. See, you'd be good at that. I'm, I'm, I'm voting for that. I want that to happen. Do a little break dancing. <laughs> and I've been working on my my video editing skills, so got that. <laughs> you better be really good at editing me. Oh yeah, I'm I'm perfect, man. I got I got all kinds of apps and softwares and Well Everybody this week wanted to talk about George Navarro. It was kind of strange to me that everyone acted like this sentence I mean Everyone kind of knew he was going to get the max, right? Like, no one actually thought he was not going to get the max. Well, especially pleading guilty to... Right, right. I mean, it was like, why was everyone seemingly surprised again? Like, this is not... This has been in the news like a year and a half now. And I, I just kind of surprised that people were so... Uh, so surprised, I guess. I, that would be the for lack of a better term. I mean... I don't give a shit about George Navarro. He, he, he kissed my ass. But, um, you know, like, it's old news. doesn't matter anymore. Uh, though, the specter of potential... A fallout, I guess. Fallout, right, would be civil suits. Because certainly no one... I hope there's no one out there expecting... To, to get a, a, a check in the mail for uh, restitution because I'm pretty sure that guy doesn't have much money left. And it certainly isn't uh, anywhere near $25 million. So <laughs> well, maybe he can borrow it from service when they finally pay him for, for Max's win in Saudi. Well, he's... he's I, I put a tweet out today. I said, you know, not for nothing, but the Saudis are kind of smart now. <laughs> they didn't pay the ten million, and you know, had they paid the ten million, they would never get it back. But uh, let's, you know, some sort of uh, Arabian hit squad turned up outside Gary West's house. You know, we want our money back. <laughs> you cheated, but. You know, they didn't pay it out. And hopefully at some point when the second situation is resolved and listen, like Sid said in his piece today, and Sid is writing like up a storm. Um, you know, there is a presum- presumption of innocence, though. I guess if it turns out that he's not convicted, it's more of of not guilty as opposed to innocent, right? Um, but it, it just seems very unlikely that he's going to be found 
innocent. Or he's not going to be found guilty. It sounds like he's going to be found guilty. And there is, uh, you know, let, let's hope that if he is, and the Saudis say, well, you know, under our rules, because they make up the rules, they go along. Their, their country, it's not, not, not just their track, it's their country. So they can do what they want. And hope they, they decide that uh, we're not, we're, we're declaring him not the winner, and we're going to pay off the other participants as though they had moved up the spot. Because that would be fair. And maybe they will, maybe they won't. I don't. Right. Nobody can, I mean, they, they're going to make their own rules on that. So it's like, well. I don't know, Barry, that anything official has been said. I haven't ever, seen it. Ever by them, like, or, or since. Well, since they said they were going to withhold the purse. I, I do right. remember seeing that. But right. after- And they did pay everyone else. Everyone else has been paid for their placing. They just didn't pay the winner. So, I mean, traditionally, the winners are paid off unless there's a, a drug positive. And in a lot of cases, um, most places, you are paid before the test comes back. So mo- most, most tracks, I mean, Goldstream... They were turning around, I think, 72 hours. So if you won a race on Sunday, um, you could collect, you could, you'd have your money Thursday. They did not have the drug test done by Thursday. They probably didn't even have the samples in, in, uh, in uh, Gainesville by Thursday. So, um, yeah, that, I mean, that makes sense to me because, you, you know, it just takes right. time and putting people out of business. Right. So, uh, uh, New Jersey doesn't do it that way. New Jersey last year during oh, the pandemic tried. had had that problem with that terrible lab in uh, West Tuesdale, who's just you know been part of like every testing nightmare they've had a hand in somehow, where they just said they didn't have enough money or didn't have enough people or whatever, and they just weren't testing, and and Mammoth wasn't paying purses, so you had money that was backed up a couple months, and that's that's really difficult for people to keep to keep on going when the cash flow is just shut off when you win a race or two and, and they don't pay you. It's an easy thing, but, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. That's obviously this is a new kind of territory. Um, and just is what it is. But, uh, like I said, if they paid that 10 million, I, I think they had a hard time getting it back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it sure looks like that it's not going to get paid at this point. So no, no it's been years, bro. Yeah, I have no idea what the the other almost three, <laughs> what what the Jason Services uh, trial schedule is is going to be. I, I I have no clue. I mean, I don't know that's even been. Yeah, the dates have been set, but I mean, it, it's it could be you know he's 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 fighting, he's going to trial, so you know, kind of it, it's kind of absurd because technically, you know, uh, um, Navarro was his co-defendant. Well, yeah, but Navarro, you know, he pleaded guilty. So, uh, and someone pointed out to me because I said, well, you know, like he got he got the um, the max basically. I'm like, man, that's not much of a plea deal. He, but they did point out that he had been charged with two counts of misbranding, and they lowered it to one count. Um, so he, he did five instead of ten, though he's doing he's going to do five hard, putting him in a uh, maximum security prison. 
It's not a country place. It's not the Martha Stewart place. But, uh, you know, the repercussions of civil suits afterwards is going to create a huge mess. A huge, huge mess. Because there's really precedent for something, right? I mean, I... I... Well, I mean, they're going to say that the guy committed the felonies that are good enough to jail him and he's supposed to pay $25 million in restitution. Pretty good I, argument. I, I don't see what, <laughs> like, again, I'm not a lawyer. I understand how it didn't express last night. But it certainly seems that the owners who were involved would be potentially uh, liable to pay if someone's going to someone's gonna sue. It's going to happen. I can guarantee you that. Um, Navarro finished third in the Breeders' Cup, or second in the Breeders' Cup race. I don't know who, I don't know who finished third, but third and fourth. So that's a pretty good sum of money. Yeah, enough for people not to just let it go. <laughs> and, and listen, in no way, shape, or form am I saying that if you were, um, you know, you were beaten by them, it, it certainly is your right to sue. I don't blame anybody that does. I was beaten by him enough times. I wanted to. I was going to fight him one day, but the girls held me back. But um, Dave Miller's just passed by. By the way, greatness personified. He's only fourteen thousand seven hundred eighty-two wins ahead of me. Only driving. My driving record. Of, get there by the end of the year, you know. My driving record of zero for zero. Yeah, we got to get on that, man. I want to show people how I go to the lead. I know there's supposed to be a announcer. Pete has been has been kind of jonesing for a match race against Gabe. I don't know if it's going to happen. You know, Sam Bowie lives down here. We could probably get Sam involved too. I'm talking. I think he lives in West Palm. So, like, if we got him in, then you and I wouldn't look so bad because he's like six ten. Man, we got him. He's like six ten. So we we we'd look like you know we'd look like Wally. Normal, right? We look like normal guys out there. I'm. I'm, He just can't. He just. He just can't. He just can't drive Hot Mess Express. Oh no, we can't do that. No, we can't give him the ringer. She's too good, man. Sam wouldn't dare drive her. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry for being goofy tonight, but uh, it's just that kind of the goofy Monday. It's the goofy Monday before Santa Claus comes, so I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's gonna be a, a big mess. And anyway. the fact, and the fact of the matter is, I know people don't want to hear this, but. Uh, Navarro thing is not as big as the Bucket Derby thing. I don't see Saturday Night Live parodying, doing a parody of uh, George Navarro. So, the fourth is off. Only the fourth? Yeah, oh, yeah. We got the fourth. Um, we, we, have a, we have a speed duel out here. We've got, a, we've got some parts. My pick four in. Oh, the hole opened up. 26 and two. 
So uh, what, what, what's the plans for Christmas? My um, she was coming into town from Phoenix. Wow. So he's spent a couple here in uh, the lovely Daytona Beach area and then uh, go to Miami to hang out with his friends for New Year's. Nice. A, a, big, a big week for you. Yeah, this is his first over here, so. That's nice. I've been down here for 10 years. Actually, yeah, this is his first time. His brother's been down here. But this is his first time. Might ring in the New Year at the Palm. I'll tell him. I think they got a card on on New Year's Eve. I just hope he doesn't ask me to kind of like hang out. I don't ever leave my house. I I wouldn't even know where to go. (laughs) Where to go? Do anything other than eat. I can find a place to eat. No problem. Tell him your midnight's 8 o'clock. It is. It really is. Jam's Delight got up in that race. 152 and 2. I think if you took a, a donkey hitched him to the bike, you could break 155 here. You <laughs> sure? I'm telling you. I'm telling you, man. Yeah, I remember the old days. This is how old I am. I remember when Calder used to run on Christmas Day. Oh, yeah. That was good times. Big crowds, too. Big crowds. Because there's a lot of people down here, and they don't have much to do, or they don't have family here, or they're Jews. Um, And, you know, Jewish people don't celebrate Christmas. So they go to the track. It was a big day. It was a really big day. And that's obviously gone, but uh, I remember Pete Axelm told a story one day that they had a horse named Santa Claus. He won the Christmas Day handicap at Calder. Huh. I don't know if that's true or not, but if it if it is, that, that would have been one of the all time great hunch bets. For real, man. Just two to five. I think Santa Nidi might have used to been open on on. Um, on Christmas Day. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was just colder. But no. I, I know I know Santa Anita for, for a long time now has run the Malibu the day um, the day after. So as you know, opening day. But um, I remember in New York used to run the display handicap as for a couple years as the feature on New Year's Eve. The New Year's Eve day feature going uh, two and two and an eighth miles, two and a quarter miles. You, one year, George Velasquez pulled up, <laughs> pulled up after the first the first time around. Oh, the good old days. Good old Calder. Calder was the best, man. When the grandstand was up. <laughs> I remember um, I had a really amazing run betting at Calder when Louis Size was riding. Guy couldn't move at some points. And it was glorious because, you know, people would get 
tired of him winning and not bet him for some reason. And he'd still win at like seven or eight to one. And you're like, how did this guy go off at seven or eight to one? So I followed him. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you how many times he, he's won two or three races in a pick four that I had, especially the early one. You know, that's when they had the pick four in the first four races. Plus, didn't start. But he was he was amazing. The phone is cutting out a little bit, sir. Because you're crazy. I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what you're doing, but I'm just sitting here behind the desk. That that might be the problem. The desk. Eat a candy cane. Sit on the desk. <laughs> no, I'll break it. It's glass. Oh, okay. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Um. Yeah, I'm. I'm a little bit aggravated at Goldstein for the, not being able to time turf races. Oh yeah, the timing issues is a big, big problem, man. You know what? What the hell happened in horse racing? Like seriously, oh, no. like what the hell happened that all of a sudden timing races has become like impossible? It, it just is. It's baffling to me that Delmar and Delmont, Aqueduct and Gulfstream that that they can't time races properly. Like, just yeah. go back to the basics, man. Right. I, I don't know where that went. It took a left turn or wherever it went. But it's it's just like it's it's like a huge problem, and, and and if you think about it, you have these races, and it's like everything is mistimed. Just think about if there was no timing at all, like what what would you have as a as a as a sport? You know, it would just be something to watch, not to bet on. <laughs> and it's like, well, why would they let that one thing, which is kind of basic, it's almost, you know, one of the one of the foundations of the sport. Well, it's something that's oh, a bigger. The, 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 it's like 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 it's not important to to time the races properly. Well, this is this is you know like, wake up guys, if you're a big owner or a big trainer, call up these people and scream, because it's affecting you more than it's affecting anyone else. Your horses are worth less when they screw up the times, when they screw up the speed figures. All right, it makes it harder to bet, but you know us, the people that bet, <laughs> they're used to getting screwed. But, like, like it matters. And I don't think people run racetracks think it matters because they're thinking, oh, well, they bet it. It's already over, and you know, blah, blah, blah. They just don't get it because, you know, most of them just don't get it. And it's like if you have the wrong time for the race or you don't have an accurate time, then everything is, is you know, from that race is, is, is wrong. And you're going to get the, the speed figures are going to be wrong. And people classify horses based upon speed figures. People buy and sell horses based upon speed figures. And it matters. It really, really matters. So when you have the people that are doing the speed figures are, are at the point where they're just going to throw their hands up because they're just like fed up. It's just another thing that it, that's in our control that we don't, we don't take care of. And it's 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 embarrassing, that's frankly. Totally embarrassing. controllable, though. That's that's the part that kills me. It's not like there's some outside force that's like, oh, you know, this is something in their control that they could get a hold of 
and it wouldn't take them long, and it's not that expensive. And then we're not talking about one track. No, it's 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 pretty much all of them. <laughs> like fix it. I don't care about the jockey club and their bullshit, uh, whatever that stupid G Max nonsense. Enough with it. Scuttle it. Throw it away. It doesn't work. Get rid of it. You know what I mean? Hello. Yes, sir. Oh, Thank it's you. it's it's like you, you tried to fix something that didn't need to be fixed, and you screwed it up. So, like, fix it now. Like, go back to it. Don't don't keep compounding your error. Go back to how it was done and do it that way. It's not that difficult. Your innovation is shit. It doesn't work. So stop. We don't need innovation to time things. It's a time. We use sundials, okay? That's how they first started. <laughs> they used the sun, the rotation of the earth. That was how they timed things. Then we had stopwatches. We have digital stopwatches. Every other sport can time things perfectly fine, except us. We can't do it. Like I said, go back to the Breeders' Cup Classic, the ultimate embarrassment. NBC's posting one set of times, the announcer's announcing a different set of times. And come to find out, both of them were wrong. There was a third set of times for a single freaking horse race run or in a circle going a mile and a quarter. Yeah, that, that's embarrassing. It is embarrassing. And I, and you know what? I'm sure there's going to oh, uh, uh, No, you're wrong. You suck. And that's all there is to it. Okay? I can time me and you running from point A to point B. Extremely accurately. How come they I can't time? So, how, come they, how come they can't time a, a horse race? I don't know, and, and it makes no sense because obviously, you know, guys like like Craig can they do it on on with a stopwatch? Oh, they're doing it on video. They're, they're right. it's just it's just it, it's frustrating to me. It's very frustrating to me. And when people say, "Well, you could you do it better?" Yes, I could. I don't even know how to do it, but I can't do it worse. <laughs> just go back to last. Just go back to how you were doing it before. That's it. Just go back. It didn't work. Things yeah. happen all the time. Like, hey, remember one thing? We had roulette. Everybody were betting on roulette a couple years ago. Guess what? It didn't work. So what they do? They get rid of it. Get rid of it. It sucks. And it's 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 embarrassing. And it's just a sign that people. Uh, that there's a certain layer of people. In charge of horse racing, they just don't care. They just don't care. Oh, the roulette bet, man. That that's that's awful. That hurts. When you have something compared to that, that's worse. But at least they got rid of it, like you said. You know, at least they, they get rid of it when because it was handling like three hundred bucks. I mean, yeah, I remember seeing that. It was it was pretty laughable. And and that was and this is the thing is. Stop trying to be so freaking innovative with your bullshit. Just do the basics better. Have better races. Break up the monopolies. Write better races. Write better books. Fix your surfaces. Give us accurate data. Stop charging so damn much for it. Do all that, and guess what? All arrows point up. All arrows point up. 
Even if they did half of what you just named. <laughs> you got to do everything. Do it they all. Could do everything. Because it's not that you do one thing, you might as well do them all. And nothing I just said is going to take legislation. It's going to take billions of dollars. Doesn't even hardly take like, like like effort. Just just get rid of all this nonsense. Put better races on. Period. Period. But everyone in this business tries to fix things one thing at a time. You cannot do that. You can't do it. It's like if okay, we have three courses. Uh, two of them suck. One, but, but we got the turf course. Where it's in good shape now. Okay, great. What about the other two? Well. Mm-hmm. Well, we're working on that. So then they, they take the focus on something uh, on a different track. And, and the first one goes to hell. I mean, you can't do it like that. You have to have everything be good. And just don't, don't stop working. Work harder. If you can't do it all, hire someone else. Hire different people. That's, that's racing. They, they just throw their hands up and they say, oh, well, we'll worry about it tomorrow. And, and we've worried about it tomorrow to the point where the business, despite all the the you know the, the sunny skies that some people have seen, I don't see that. I see dark clouds, dark clouds. Well, I mean, it, it doesn't take a lot to figure that out. You just have to weed through the bullshit, as they say, and you can see. It's like, all right, well, this clearly isn't as as great of a picture that they're painting. And usually, when something, an entity, institution, what have you, person like to paint this really rosy picture of something. Typically, it's not that way in reality. Piss people off by doing the right thing. That's the thing. It's, it's, you don't want to piss people off by doing the wrong thing, which is what happens now all the time. You don't want to piss people off by hiding stuff because eventually you get found out, then people get they're pissed off. Do piss people off by doing the right thing. Piss them off. I'll say it again. None, not a single trainer in America matters. Not a single jockey matters. There's not a single horse out there that matters. Not, not one of them. The group of them matter. All of them matter. The big picture matters. But there's no horse out there that if he retired, like the game would suffer of any sort of, of anything, nothing. I'd love to see Life is Good versus Nick's Go. Be a great race. Hopefully, you know, they, they stay on course. But if that's the last time they ever meet, I mean, that's not going to be like a tragedy. It's just the way it is. It's the way it goes. Right? That, that's the thing. Is is like if Todd Pletcher decided tomorrow he didn't want to train anymore. He wanted to uh, you know, become a basketball coach. The game would go on. His horses wouldn't wouldn't all retire. Like this, you know, the the, the laughable fallacy all Baffert saved racing in California. Baffert killed racing in California. Take his horses and divide them up. Oh, the, they'll leave. Oh, so what? Big deal. They leave, someone else comes. That's always how it's been. It's always how it's been. But uh but they believe this nonsense. Yeah, I, I just don't understand the, the that kind of mentality. I mean, like and it's not it's not better, it's not to be disrespectful to anybody. It it really isn't. It's just to, to better it's the betterment of the game and and to 
you know, the, the kind of criticism that we provide isn't to, to shame anyone or anything. We want, we want to get things going in the right direction, at least give us a chance to survive, you know, especially with the pandemic, the last two years, you know, this, as, as much as people want to place it as like, we were the only game in town for a little while and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's fine and dandy, but where are we now? We're not in a better place than we were in 2019. And we weren't going to be with, you know, in light of everything that actually happened since then. So in my mind, the people that are at the top should have been ahead of this in a certain sense and been able to capitalize on the things that we do well as an industry, keeping people in place, you know, none of the nonsense. But what we have now is all of the nonsense things that we have control over or the industry has control over just running wild, like the timing issue, for example. That's something that they have complete control over. It's just a matter of making decisions and doing the right thing, you know, and and making it work. And for some reason, that's like pulling teeth to get that ship right. And it shouldn't be. The people at the top should know these issues off the top of their heads and be like yeah this is how we're going to fix that and then tell the people that's the other thing is the lack of of transparency because you know why wouldn't they tell us as betters us as fans what's going on what do they have to lose that they're not already losing is and then, and that's why i just can't wrap my head around the thought process you know are, are they really that shielded by by people around them like deflecting all the bad news or are they just under the impression that, Oh, well, you know, it's going to work itself out either way. It's, it's not a good formula. No, it sucks. And and I get tired of hearing people say, well, you can't just save. Is that, you know what that's called? Oh, well, that's uh, insulting and distress. Uh, who cares? I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is getting the job done right. And if you don't have people that are getting the job done right, you get new people. Keep getting new people. You know what's called when you say things that make other people uncomfortable? Leadership. Leadership isn't telling people what they want to hear. That's sales. We got a lot of salesmen in this game. A lot of people tell you how wonderful everything is. A lot of people tell you what you should need or what you should do and this and that. We don't have any leadership. Sometimes things change is difficult. Change is is usually difficult. That's why it's, you know, to, to get, find a new course is not always easy. But the course we're going on right now, it's just not a good course. I mean, nobody thinks that George Navarro and Jason Service are the only guys doing things that, that uh, you know, might not be kosher, right? I mean, based upon what, I don't even know what the standards even are. I, I don't even know. That's the thing is, like, Navarro, and this is what people don't get, is that Navarro is seen as a, an outlier. Even for trainers, like there's a lot of things that have been done 
use medications and things used on horses over the years that's, that's changed a lot. And this is the funny thing that people don't don't really even understand is that horses get a lot less than they ever did. Way, way, way less than they, they used to. And everyone thinks it's the opposite. And perception is reality. And I don't I don't know how you you, you change that that perception if the reality is you already have changed, right? So how do you convince people of that? Arrest 18 different people? I mean, I'm not going to say names, but I don't have to. You know who we're talking about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we know who we're talking about. You don't even have to say it. And, you know, you just kind of look at each other and give it the knowing nod. And just remember, these guys didn't come up positive. And to think that there's just one thing, it's, it's some magic bullet. It's not. SGF is no magic bullet. It's nonsense. If it was, then George Navarro wouldn't have been given 18 different things. There is no magic bullet. There's no one thing that works. It can't be. It seems impossible. But, like I said, there's guys that are still defying logic I'm guilty of it I look at people and I look at trainers and I think to myself this guy's dumb he's like he's stupid how is it possible that he's uh, you know, such a good trainer dumb people usually can't just overcome that right even in sports if you're a football player football players probably get you know, of all the major sports, football players are probably thought of as, as the dummies, right? <laughs> the, the offenses and the defenses and the reads and the complications of the schemes is, you know, it's extremely complicated. Extremely complicated. And I think some of the reasons that some of the guys fail isn't because they're not physically gifted enough. It's they're not processing it quick enough. They don't, they don't have the brain power. So uh, I have a hard time believing that the same can be true in training resources. That you can be not all that smart and still win all the time. <laughs> yeah, well, if you have if you have the, some assistance, then if you're smart enough to go and play with a lot. Four times. Yeah. I don't. I didn't hear you. You broke up. Um, but uh, perception's reality. If you don't get a lot, whole lot tougher, a whole lot tougher. And stop being friends with everybody. That's the other thing. If you work for a racetrack, if you're an executive at a racetrack. Them owners and trainers aren't your friends. You know why they're nice to you? Because they're trying to get something from you. I'm not saying that they're the enemy. But the only way this game is going to thrive is if you piss all the big people off. Because they're the ones that are, that are choking the life out of it. Just the facts. Just the truth. Guys like me, guys with 25, 35 horses, we're gone, man. 
Yeah. When are you coming back? People ask me all the time, when are you coming back to train? Why would I want to come back to train? Not at this point, you know. What, to, to, to take up beatings? <laughs> to, to chase people for money? To, to go up against horses that just, you know, miraculously turn into world beaters when, when certain outfits get them? To now to, to, to deal with the HISA and their 4,872 regulations on mostly on nonsense? No, thank you. I like training horses. I really did. I like the training of the horses. I like the horses. I like some of the people. Oh, some of them. But to have a 25-horse barn these days is it's impossible unless it's all cheap climbing horses. Or unless it was all like steak horses, but how how do you get that out for him? That's not something that happens. So, you know, you have fifty, seventy-five thousand dollars yearlings. You're just you're just banging your head against the wall because they cater to the big guys and they cater to the cheap guys because there's a lot of cheap guys and the big guys they kiss their ass. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's just. Uh, this One big circle. This isn't that hard. I'd like to get them all in a room and say, listen, you freaking idiots. Everything you're doing is backwards. Do everything the opposite. Everything won't go perfect, but you'll make headway. Right. And then you can you can kind of fix the stuff that's not off center, you know, just just you know, get the get the basics down, like control the controllables. I say that all the time. And it and it and it's just if we get the fundamentals down and the basics, the other stuff you can kind of, you're going to have to fix. Obviously it's going to take some effort, but it's going to be easier without these issues in the background. You know, you, you take care of the small stuff and and the larger stuff is, is you can concentrate on it and, and get better at that. But now it's just like, everything is gone. Like everything's gone South and it's, it's awful. Like the timing. I mean, uh, I would have never thought, like, you know, let's say when I moved down here to, to Florida 10 years ago, that timing would be such a big issue in 2021 slash going into 2022. Time of the races. Never thought that would be an issue. But no. here we are. And yeah. why? I mean, right? Exactly. Like, who ever thought, like, racetracks would suddenly forget the out of time races. It's just, it's just, I guess, racing in a nutshell. The, the, just the, um, I don't even know what the word is. I don't even know what the word is, but, uh, it's a simple concept. Let's make your races better. Speaking of starting gates, now that I hear Gabe, what happened to the Hummer? Uh, the Hummer is broken. It's sitting back there with a the happy face on it? It's uh, Actually, I don't see it. It's probably, it's probably in the shop. Maybe Bucky Swope sold it to go to, to, go, to, <laughs> go, to the, go to the strippies. To go to Mohegan Sun. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's at the strip club, Bucky. Um, Wally's 4 to 5, by the way. Big shocker. Uh, it's just so simple, and yet it's so fleeting, right? 
Right. That's why it's frustrating because it's like, all right, man, we know how to fix this, but you guys aren't doing it. Why not? <laughs> I, you know, when, when it gets down to think about a, a basketball team, how do you get better? What's the number one thing? Get better players, right? <laughs> racing. How, how do you how do you make your racing better? Get get better horses. Get more horses. Get get bigger fields. You know, give people give people the equivalent of better players, better races, better you know, bigger races, more competitive races, and all you know. There's, there's a variety of things that you have to do to get to that point. You can't just say, "Oh, well, we just need bigger fields." No. Not if, not if you, the, the three horses you add to the bottom of the field are all 90 to 100 to one shots. And you know, every every fifth race, one of them pulls up. Right. It's like they have no idea of the standard of quality with that sort of thing. And that's that's kind of alarming. It's like You don't know what a quality field looks like. Well, part of that goes back to the fact that they just ignored super trainers. Super trainers were created by the racetrack. And that's something that no one wants to talk about either. The racetracks gave super trainers the opportunity to take as many horses as they wanted to. So they just got bigger and bigger and bigger. The tracks ignored the rules that weren't put in place to, to prevent this. And they didn't, they didn't care. And now they're like, well, what are we supposed to do? <laughs> well, well, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day and I was telling them how there, there are a bunch of horses that come down to Florida and stable at Gulfstream that never run in a race. Palm Meadows, mostly. Yeah. No, it's true. And and you know what? I don't blame a lot of them. Right. I, why would you if they if they're not being made to and they get a free trip to Florida, hanging out, you know, train on the track in good weather? What trainer wouldn't work? Oh, they're coming down here to prepping for the rest of the year. Right. It's a quandary. There's no doubt that it's a quandary. Um, it's not. It's not an easy answer now to fix because you've you've let it get so deep, like, right? That the mentality is so embedded in people, and you don't have the purse structure here. You just don't. So, you know, New Orleans' purse structure isn't very good either, and. It's, you know, the, with the purses going up these other places, they're going up so high. Uh, to, oh, yeah, by the way, the other guy in 106 is not dead. He's currently on the move. Um, oh, he's, he's trying to get it that, that pick four. Yeah, actually, he might be going to the winner's circle. <laughs> he won a race. Even better. Uh, no, he's just wandering. But, um, yeah, it, it, becomes, it becomes a quantity. And, like, we... And when I say, listen, things are simple, it's in a general term, yeah. If you have better races, you have better competitive you know, fields, bigger fields, people bet more money on it. <laughs> It'll happen. Getting to that point now, especially after you've handicapped yourself in a lot of ways, it's not easy. It's just not an easy thing. It's just not an easy thing. So anyways... We have an inquiry on the second place. That's rare. Mm-hmm. Was it a, a pylon violation? No, they don't even got that there. Yeah, they got pylons here. Yeah. Yeah, Kevin Wallace got nailed with a pylon 
Charlie's the other day. I can't even remember the last time I seen one of those. But um, anyways, I had enough bitching about everything. <laughs> I'm gonna try to try to hit the late pick four here. Uh, maybe we need to um, come up with those awards. Yeah, next next uh, the end of year we'll going in circles, circle awards or something. Uh, we need a clever name for it. We do. Worst <laughs> circular awards. Worst worst ride of the year. Oh man, yeah, we can come up with something. We we could get at least ten. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we'll put them out. We'll, we'll come up with nominees and then we'll put them out for votes. So Twitter makes it just, difficult as you no, can only vote do. for four things at just a time. Just give them the category and have them. Yeah, have that's it. On to the category, like who who should get this, and then have people just spout off on Twitter. That's a good idea. I like that idea. Going in circles podcast at Gmail. If you have any ideas, or you can hit Barry on Twitter. You can hit me at Twitter. You can hit us at Facebook, Instagram. We're pretty much anywhere. Go on the internet and you'll see us. <laughs> yeah, we're always there. I'm sorry, Larry Luna. Not I think Larry's, Larry's come to grips with us, you know, kind of being on the same page. Yeah. We can't have enough strife. This ain't Jerry Springer, Jake and Larry. The inquiry, the, the inquiry is over. That was determined. Quick. Nothing happened. Yeah, that's quick. So, I hope everyone has a has a nice Christmas. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely, to have a great Christmas. That way they'll be able to, to listen to us afterwards and into the new year, 2022. That's right. Ring in the new year was uh, very interesting. <laughs> you got to find out the pomp is actually running on New Year's Eve. I remember I, when I worked at Yonkers, we raced on New Year's Eve. We raced literally right up until when they dropped the ball. That was a different time. <laughs> we raced every day there. It was crazy. All right. Well, listen, you uh, you enjoy your holiday. I hope everyone else out there does as well. And uh, we'll be back next week. All right. Sounds good. Yeah, we'll put we'll put something on Twitter this week. Oh yeah, we're gonna get some awards out there. All right, for sure. All right. Talk to you guys later. Hey everyone, thank you for listening to the Going in Circles Big Monday show. I wanted to let you know that we have a weekly newsletter that you can subscribe to for free, the Going in Circles Digest. It's a, kind of a combination newsletter, stakes preview. Um, we have some uh, restaurant reviews on there, 
various topics, but uh, we also have a couple um, pieces about various uh, industry topics or racing history. This last week we did a piece on the great Arazi and his spectacular move in the 1991 Breeders' Cup Juvenile, which uh, unfortunately was the the pinnacle of his career. But um, it's a free subscription. Go to goingincirclesdigest.substack.com and check it out. All right, the Going in Circles Digest. Thanks for listening.